Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Thank you. Good morning. So, as the video said, I'm Justin. I'm the spiritual life director uh, over at LCA, and I am, uh, I like to say, Red Bull excited to be here today. Uh, As you all will find out, uh, I I tend to be really excited, and so I hope that I can contain my excitement uh, in order to be able to share with you today. I consider it one of the greatest privileges of my life to every week be able to open this book and share the gospel with 400 teenagers. Uh, I consider that to be an honor and a privilege, and I do not take that lightly. But it is a breath of fresh air when I get to stand in front of people that are not under the age of 18. Uh, And so I just want to let you know that I really am excited. Uh, And and so to start out, I'm going to, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a quick story, uh, kind of as an introduction. In this story, I was 19 years old. And um, I had like went home from college. I went here to UK and I went home to spend time with my family. And I have a a rather large family. So I have an identical twin who looks just like me because we're identical. Uh, And then I also have little brothers that are twins. Uh, And so there are four boys. Uh, We are all loud. Yes, two sets of twins. I loved it. Some of you all immediately like, uh, and we're all loud and extroverted. Uh, And everyone always says, um, your mother's a saint. And I won't go, no, my mother's a drill sergeant. Uh, And there's a difference. Uh, And so we're all loud. And so I I go home and I'm hanging out with my family and someone's always talking in my house. And so uh, in this moment, it was my turn to talk. And so I'm just kind of talking with my parents and I'm seeking some advice. I'm seeking some advice about some girl problems that I was having in this situation. And the details of this story do not matter. Uh, But I had this girlfriend and I just kind of needed some advice on how to handle this. And so I'm presenting my case to my parents, right? And I'm like asking, hey, what do you think I should do here? Now remember, in this story, I'm 19. And as I'm telling this story, in walks one of my little brothers, and I'm 19, there's, there's seven years difference, so give and take where this story is at, uh, what window, he would have been 12 or 13. And so he, he kind of saunters into this conversation, listens for a few minutes, and then with the confidence that only 13-year-olds can muster, gives me his advice. Now, mind you, I'm 19, he is 13 years old, so where did he gain this wisdom? We don't know. But he was so confident that he had powerful words to share with me. I tell you this quick story for one reason and one reason only. And that's whenever I find myself opening up this book and speaking to a crowd of people over the average age of 18, I think of that story. I feel like my 13-year-old brother attempting to give advice about something that I am thankfully mature and old enough to know any one of you could give up here and give a better word than I could. That every single one of you have better stories, testimonies, and you probably see God more clearly than I do. And you could say it with probably fewer words, in all honesty. So I'm I'm studying for today. 
And the story begins to creep into my very core. And I begin to doubt a lot of what I'm reading. And so I begin to ask this question. A, a question that I honestly ask every time that I'm about to prepare to present this word. And the question is this, what am I doing here today? Another way to maybe ask this is, what is my goal today? My goal is simple. My goal is very simple, actually. What I hope happens today is that as you leave here, as you're walking about your daily life, you leave here closer to God than when you arrived. That's my goal for me and for you. Now, the how I'm going to do that matters. What I'm going to do is, is I'm, I'm going to share something with you that God is revealing to me. So, so I'm going to walk everyone through something that God is revealing to me and then hope that God uses that to illuminate himself more clearly to you. So I'm not going to give advice. You all know this thing. But what I am going to do is hopefully share with you what God is revealing in my life and then from that you leave here closer to God. Are we all on the same page? Do you understand what I'm going to attempt to do? Okay, good. And so if that's my goal, my goal is for you to walk out of here knowing God a little bit better than the, and I'm going to share with you how God is revealing himself to me then that's going to put us firmly in Genesis 39. So if you'll turn to Genesis 39, I'd really appreciate that. I've heard that you all have been in Romans for uh, uh, the better part of a decade. And so I'm excited. Uh, Derek told me, uh, Derek told me, he said, um, if you want to do anything in the Old Testament, it will be a breath of fresh air. And I'm all about setting myself up for success. And so we're going to find ourselves in Genesis 39. And I've got a lot of scripture that I'm going to read real quick. And so if you'll just bear with me. I'm not, I normally ask, I would ask you to stand, but I've got a lot to read. And so I'm just going to have you sit. Let this story, you've all heard it, but let it, let it just permeate your soul. Now Joseph, this is Genesis 39 verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything he did successful, Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal assistant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed him all that he owned under his authority. From the time that he put him in charge of his household and all they owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was in all that he owned in his house and in his fields. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. But now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said three words, sleep with me. But he refused to look, he said to his masters, with me here. My master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day, now one day, he went into the house to do his work and none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by his garment and said, sleep with me. But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. 
When she saw that he had left his garment with her and had run outside, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, my husband has brought a Hebrew man to make fools of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. She put Joseph's garment beside her until her master, until his master came home. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me. But when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. When his master heard this story, his wife told him, these are the things you did to me. He was furious and had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. Uh, I do this thing uh, after every time that I read scripture. Uh, and so I'm going to say a sentence and then you all just say amen. So the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Thank you. For the majority of my Christian life, I have found myself asking one question. Uh, one question that, that I want to be, one, it's kind of a big question. And it, it sets a sort of backbone, a, a foundation of sorts uh, for my faith. In, in my quiet time when I'm here at church, when I'm in my regular life, I want this question to saturate literally everything I do. The question is very simple. This is the question. If you're a note taker, right, this, this question will be what we'll be talking about. The question is this. How do I fall more in love with God every day? Simple question that I found invading every part of my life. I want this question to invade every season of mine and your life. And here's why, because I'm convinced that if you ask that question and you find the answer, it changes everything for everyone, not just you, for, but for even those around you. I want this question to invade every season of mine and your life. Imagining a world, no, zoom in a little bit further, imagining a country, keep going, even a city, if we even zoom down a street where people are daily asking this question, how do I fall more in love with God? Could you imagine a world? This is the very thing that motivates me to get out of bed and open my Bible because I'm convinced that if a group of people lived into that question, how do I fall more in love with God every day? And then the, every day they ran toward God and love for Him, lives could be changed. Countries could be changed. Streets could be changed. So every season, I want to ask that question. Is it a good season? Are you filled with joy where everything around you seems to be going well, going your way? You're receiving blessings abound. How do you fall more in love with God? Is it a bad season? Do you, do you seem to be in opposition to everything that you do? There's an adversary how do you fall more in love with God? Is it a sad season? Are you going through a season of loss? Are you spending time grieving something? How do you fall more in love with God? I, I want that question to be foundational to my faith, regardless of whatever season I find myself in, because I know that through this lens of God and my love and His love for me is the only way that I receive clarity and hope. As I go through the day-to-day grind. See, I know as I read through scripture, I know that I want the fullness of life. That if I want the fruits of the Spirit, if I want the power offered to us by God himself, then I've got to fall more in love with God every day. John 10.10 10. 
A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But forget that part. It's the second part. I have come so that you can have life and have it in abundance. Falling more in love with him gives you life abound. And I want that in my life. Who doesn't want that? Do you? I, who doesn't want more life to, to, to get more? Now, I must, I must pause for a second. We will put an asterisk here. I must confess that for me, this, this opening up of this word, this sermon, is going to be a little bit of a counseling session for me. As I find myself in one of the most amazingly odd seasons of my life. Those of people that know me, the past few months have been the wildest months of my life. I've had extremely high highs. I got engaged. And then some suffocatingly low lows. And with, but with every season, I have found myself asking this question. I just want to fall more in love with God. And so as my life has become the seesaw of ups and downs, I resonate and find myself in conversation with Joseph. Now, my prayer, obviously, is that you know about Joseph. But if you, if you don't, I'll give you a little bit of backstory that led us up to this. Just a few sentences. Joseph, son of Jacob. But not just any son. He's the favorite. Which, mind you, an incredible place to be. Okay, So I've been the favorite. It's an incredible. I've recently, this, you, this is not my notes. I've recently lost status as the favorite uh, because my twin had the first grandbaby. Uh, and so apparently I've been told that having a grandchild outweighs uh, being the smartest and the funniest and the most good looking. And so because he is, uh, because Joseph is the favorite, Joseph's brothers become jealous and they betray him, which if my brothers ever listen to this might happen to me. And so the brothers put him into slavery, convince Jacob, the father, that he has died from an attack by a wild animal. Joseph becomes a slave and is given, a man, given to a man named Potiphar. All right, chapter 39, verse 1. Jesus has been taken to Egypt. Now, Joseph has been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar. An Egyptian named Potiphar and an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. I want to give you my main point. So we have a question, a big question. How do I fall more in love with God every day? I want to give you this main point. It's an observation. And then what I'm going to do is give you probably three more observations after that. Let these five words resonate over you. The Lord was with Joseph. Let, let that set you free for a second. Just, just forget everything else outside of those, these four walls. The Lord was with Joseph. I believe it was everything in me that these words matter. Let me tell you why these words matter. Why they're so impactful. Let me share with you personally why I'm in the middle of the coffee shop with my fiance. I'm reading through this text, getting prepped for this sermon. And I, I as you can tell, I kind of suffer from ADD. And so I got really excited. And so I'm sitting there on the coffee shop. I'm tapping and I'm bouncing up and down. And she went, calm down. <laughs> and it's because of these five words. The Lord was with Joseph, you want to know the answer to our question? It's very simple. The question, how do I fall more in love with God every day? 
be with him. There's your answer. So, as you can tell from my delivery so far, I tend to lean toward the dramatic. And my first inclination, my first outline of this sermon was me presenting this point at the end. This was going to be my dramatic mic drop moment. I would walk off stage and that's how I wanted to do it. But as I read more and more into this, I felt that it did a disservice to the text. I felt, I felt that, that maybe we would miss something. Okay, so, so go back to Scripture. So if this, if this Scripture, this chapter 39 is the main text that we find ourselves in, then we must note that in verse 2 is when we get this. The Lord was with Joseph. You see, look, look at it. Look, I want to show that I'm not making this up. In the first verse, what do we get? We get, we get its location. Egypt working under Potiphar. But but then that's the most amazing part because in verse 2, what do we get? I would call it, we get his status. The Lord was with Joseph. Another confession. I want that written about me. Justin, Lexington, Kentucky, working and serving Lexington Christian Academy. And the Lord was with Justin. I ache for that to be a part of my story. But, but what happens is we, we've all, I, I think the majority of us have probably grown up in church. And so we kind of miss, uh, miss something. See, if you were the first time reader of this text, from that verse 2, you would know that Joseph is going to be okay. Right? Joseph's just been sold into slavery. He's been sent to Egypt. And then you have, straight out of the gate, verse 2, the Lord was with him. You would read this and literally breathe a sigh of relief, right? Because you know the Lord was with him. So it doesn't matter what happens. Well, I want that to be true of my life. So the answer to how do I fall more in love with God every day, if that's our big question, is quite simply be with him. Now, I want to, observation number two, I want us to zoom out for a second. I want, to take a, I want to take a step back from this story, and I want to present merely another observation. So this, this observation is related to this idea of being with him. I want to dive into this idea of what I've called withness. Just, just being with, withness. Located all throughout scripture is this idea, oh, pay attention, is this idea of withness. I want to give you some examples right now. Matthew one twenty three. Just write that. I'm going to give you three examples. Just boom, 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 real quick. Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Man, just let that set you free. Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? It's Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? Why do I not be frightened? Why do I not be dismayed? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then my favorite, Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let those verses just permeate your soul. If you're a Christian sitting here today, then know that you are not bound by anything in this world. 
If you are troubled, then rest in knowing that God is with you. If you're confused, guess what? God is with you. If you're dismayed, God is with you. All of the plans of the enemy are vanquished with knowing and believing and letting it saturate every part of your life that God is with you. But here's what makes this amazing. And here's what the observation is. God chose to be with us. Observation number two is just God with us. So it must be pointed out that my first point for you is to be with God. And that's true, right? Like directionally, you need to be in the Word. You need to understand Him better to find things in life that stir your affections for holiness and godliness. But don't miss the truth. And just the unbelievable grace extended to you when you realize that God chose to be with you. Okay, let let me maybe explain it this way. Oftentimes people think of Christianity directionally. So think of this, going this way. We think of it as me going to Jesus and then Jesus going to God. Do you understand that? People often think of it that way. I've got to do all these things. I've got to go to church. I've got to be with Jesus. And then Jesus gets me to God. And so directionally I'm heading that way. Yet it could not be further from the truth. God, yet quite the opposite is true. God sent Jesus to be with us. Do you see the power that it is? A pastor uh, that I find myself listening to a lot and has helped guided me in several different areas of my life. Matt Chandler says that the theme of the Bible can be the entire theme of this book can be summed up into three words. God with us. Think of Genesis and the creation story. God creates everything so that we can have what? God with us. The entire narrative of the Israelite people as they wander through the wilderness is nothing more than this redemptive story of God with us. The prophets, God with us. And then all of this climaxes into this great crescendo with God sending his son to die on a cross for you and me. God with us. And then one day all of this will end with a trumpet blaring so we can all rise to spend eternity with him. Do not miss the power extended to you in this simple truth. God is with us. Let's jump down to verse 6 and 7 in Genesis 39. Verses 6 and 7. He left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Ooh, I'm running out of time. Okay. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. We've been discussing this idea and kind of in the outer layer, talking about this idea of withness. Found within these three words, whispered by Potiphar's wife, gives us some powerful insight into the plan of the enemy when it comes to steal and kill and destroy your life. Look at it this way. If you were to read through the scripture, which I've done, you're welcome. And so I've done your homework for you. Okay, so if you were to read through this, Joseph's main attribute in this chapter, the Lord was with him. It says it four times. Four, in, just, in just chapter 39, four times the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. So then it's obvious. 
The attack of the enemy is to displace who he's with. It's to change this. And then I'll even take it a step further. Let me submit to you today that that's the exact plan of the enemy and attack against you. So then that begs the next question, which is my observation number three. Who are you with? And, and then take it even a step further. If you're only thinking about people, I would encourage you just to take this a step further. I think this extends to any aspect of your life. Not even who as in a person, but the what of your life. What are you spending your time on? What are you letting control your thoughts, your moves, and your, uh, and your actions? Uh, okay. I have Netflix. I hope many of you, I hope some of you all have Netflix. Uh, full transparency, I probably should not have Netflix. Just full confession. I uh, binge watch everything. That is what I do. Um, I'm working to control it. God gave me a fiance who does not watch TV. It's exciting. We're working through it. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, uh, so it's so bad for me. I'm so, like, that if I'm a big fan of a show, then I will purposefully wait until either all the episodes are out, and then I will just block out a weekend, and I will watch back to back to back every single show within a very short amount of time. And then, but what's crazy is if I'm watching this show, I will find myself, that show will seep into every aspect of my life. And, and, and I don't mean this necessarily in a negative way. I've just noticed that it just kind of consumes me. I'll find myself thinking about the characters or the plot or a really good fight scene. or um, it, And I want, the reason I bring this up, I'm, I'm just trying to give you an example, a, a real-life application, is because I think that everyone can relate to this on some level. What, do you, what are you letting take up space in your brain? At one point in time in my life... Um, and if it, I, don't judge me for what I'm about to tell you. This is in my notes. I just feel the, the spirit. Uh, I, I was really addicted to Breaking Bad. And so I went through this season in my life where I saw drug deals everywhere that I went. Not healthy, right? Like probably not the most healthy thing in the world to be doing. But, but you're, you get my idea, right? You with me? We're still, still on board? Okay. Everything in this world is fighting for you to be with it. It's whispering in your ear seducing you away from God's promise of Him being with you. Your job? Spend more time getting paid. You'll make more money. Your life will be so much better. Your status? If I can just hang out with these people or get to know this group, then I will have everything. Maybe it's golf. 7.45, tea time, slightly foggy. Deuce don't just me. It's just me. Sorry. Maybe it's fishing. I don't know. Pick your crowd. Whatever. I'm kidding. But understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with Netflix. There's nothing wrong with a job. There's nothing wrong with the people you're with. And definitely nothing wrong with golf. But it's important to know who and what is wooing you away from being with God. Go down a little bit further in the scripture. Verse 21 and 22. And then I've I'm, I'm got one more little thing and I'll be done. Observation number four. All right, so Genesis 39, verse 21. 
Here's my favorite phrase. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted him favor with the prison warden. Kind of an oxymoron. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority. And he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother him with anything under Joseph's authority. Because the Lord was with him. And the Lord made everything that he did successful. Observation number four. Life isn't easy. Very quickly, I want to point out that even though the Lord was with Joseph, not everything goes Joseph's way. He has to go through some things. He has to suffer. There are things that are difficult. He would spend two years in prison, if you know the story, before Pharaoh would ever find it, before the dream thing would happen. And, and then yet again, I think we miss it. It's easy to look at this story and know the ending. It's... it's easy to look at this story and know, oh, it's fine. Like Jesus, Joseph makes it out. Joseph does great. It's easy to know that he would become very powerful and everything would work out in the end. What we must understand that Joseph didn't know that. He didn't know any of that. In his mind, he was staying in prison for the rest of his life. And yet, he still remained with God. He had no idea the how of his future. Now, you, you could go back, if you went back to chapter 38, you could kind of see that maybe he, like, there were some dreams with his brother. So maybe, maybe he knew that it would all work out. But he didn't know. He didn't know that one day he'd be out of prison. So just because you're with God doesn't necessarily mean that life is always easy. Okay, well, Justin, well, then how, that, how does that work? Do you know what I think is amazing about this perspective? We as Christians do know how it ends. We we do know. We we can look at anything in our life and go, I know know how this ends. We do know what waits for us. We as Christians know that regardless of what happens to us, we win. Maybe I, can, maybe I can give you a story. This is an old preacher's story that my, my dad used to tell all the time. Um, and it goes like this. There was a man that was a huge, uh, we'll say, UK basketball fan. Aren't we all? And so he's a huge UK basketball fan. Uh, and what he would do is he was such a fan that if he had to work on the day of a game, he would record the game and then make sure that no one told him how the game went. And then he would watch the game, Right? Okay, you all been there. And so he did this whole thing. He, there was this game. He knew he had to work. So he goes to the DVR. He like records it like three different times. I'm going to make sure that I have the game recorded. And then he did everything in his power. He put his, left his phone in the car to, I'm not going to know how the game goes. I'm not going to know. I'm going to watch it. It's going to be great. Well, guess what happens? Someone told him. Someone told him, hey, we win. We win the game. But he's such a true fan. What does he want to do? Well, I, you know, I'll at least watch the game. I'll... Put it on the background noise or whatever. He watches the first half. And he just wasn't, wasn't really going all that well. UK was down by 15, which is kind of how the year went. And so he's down by 15. And then the second half rolls around and now he's on the edge of his seat. Because he knows that they win. But he has no idea how. And so his perspective changes. Is he worried about what's going to happen? No. Why? Because he knows that we win. 
Is that not true for us too? Where we as Christians, we have no idea how this is going to play out. We have no idea if the end of times is tomorrow. We have no idea if I might die tomorrow. But I know that I win. And that changes my entire perspective. It changes how I handle conflict. It changes how I handle everything. And do you know why? Because it all changes because I know who I'm with. One more story in closing. A few years ago, uh, I was a UK student. This was eight or nine years ago. I was a UK student and I would go to UK games. That's what you do. You get UK tickets. And one of my first basketball games was the top row of, the, of Rupp Arena and watching, just sitting there, just, they were ants, okay? You needed binoculars to see them. But it was the atmosphere and it was a ton of fun, right? So I'd been to several more. About two, this was probably 2011, 2012. Two or three years later, I was doing ministry through Young Life at Henry Clay High School, and I'd gotten to know a bunch of kids. And this guy calls me up one day, high school student, and says, hey, you want to go to a UK basketball game with me? I'm like, absolutely, man. I'd love that, just to spend time with you, and that'd be great. And so he was like, okay, cool. You're going to um, come pick me up at my house. You'll take me to this game. Awesome. Uh, so I go, I don't remember what time, I go, I pick him up, uh, and we like get to where I'm going to park, which is we're going to walk a couple of miles, right? Because I ain't about to pay for parking. Uh, and he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm going I'm to park on the street. And he's like, oh, no, 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 go, I'll show you where to go. Okay. So I follow him. And all of a sudden I notice like we got really close parking. And so we get in this parking lot and we come out and we get out and all of a sudden he like goes and like knocks on this door. And the security guard opens the door from the inside. Hey Jack, come on in. Hands us these two badges. We go into Rupp Arena and, and I'm a little bit, you know, I kind of go with the flow and so I'm like, whatever, that was interesting. So we kind of go through, well I'm like, oh man, we gotta, you know, we gotta wait in line. And he was like, no we don't. Come this way. Walks me through, and there's this little side entrance that we go into Rupp Arena. And all of a sudden, I'm like, this is okay, this is getting more odd as we go along. So we walk down the steps, and I'm thinking, you know, we'll have probably mid tier seats. Mm -mm. Row A, six of them, all season tickets, right behind the visitor section. Literally the first permanent seats, right behind the visitor section. There's six of them me and him, and then his whole family. Come to find out that someone in their family had given a lot of money. I won't tell you the family's name, but there's a particular locker room that's named after this family. And I had no idea. The game ends. Coach Cal comes over, shakes their hand, shakes my hand, leaves. What I submit to you today is what was different about those two experiences from me being a college student to me getting front row seats. Who I was with. I want to submit to you today that that's all that matters. And so who are you with? Let me pray. God, thank you for being with me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. I want to be with you more. I want every part of my life to be saturated with your love. God, thank you for this opportunity that I get to just open the word and share what's on my heart. 
ask that you be with us. You are incredible. In Jesus' name, we totally pray. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes. We're going to have an invitation and a time of reflection. And so if you would just take a few minutes and pray, they're going to play some music. Thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section, or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.